Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. I'm still trying to gauge what we are worth. It's not about how much can we make from the business, because I think if you start coming at it from that approach, your couples are gonna smell that. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Today, I've got my very good friend, Jamie Fraser, with me. Say hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too, Jerry. Thanks for um, inviting me back down to Wedderley. So, I don't know how long ago it was we sat down. Two years? Two years ago. Yeah. Wow. All right. You're going to have to, if you're listening to this, you're going to have to search out the podcast number. I can't remember what it is. I'll probably put it in the show notes. But we had a conversation about a 500-year-old castle that Jamie's been doing up and running as a wedding venue. But at the time when we did the podcast, had you, you'd sold some weddings, right? I can't remember. Yeah, for two, well, we're just coming to the end of our second season proper now so arguably season three so yeah we would have sold we were dealing with a blend of new bookings knowing having a better idea of what we were actually selling still trying to work through some couples that had come off falling out with their old venues during lockdown where they couldn't get the date they wanted so we were trying to fit triangles onto circles and uh, we couldn't say no because we needed the income um so that was fairly clunky um but yeah, we were getting into it. We'd had some bigger events as well. Yeah, so maybe the best thing to do to start with is just set some context. Because what I want to do is go into, now that you've done these two full years, is really try and pick out some of the more interesting stuff that you've discovered. But just to remind listeners who maybe haven't heard the podcast before or, or have, but haven't quite remember the story, this project we looked at, how long ago did you actually look at it first? Well, you told me goodbye um, <laughs> five years ago now, right? Six that, years so, ago. So, right, yeah. So the reason I say goodbye was we Jamie's um, a, a business partner of mine and a couple of enterprises from before, and lived quite close to where I do, and then saw this place. I came down, viewed it, and I said um, bye, yeah, bye, because <laughs> you're moving. Nice. No, I'm not. <laughs> I will commute. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Eventually, you said, "You're right." Yeah, I'm moving. Yeah, we were looking for we were looking for a diversification project from the what was the primary function of the business, which was recruitment, sending young people out to work at summer camp in the states. Yep. So when we were going through the process of looking for potentially a venue where we could open up a summer camp, residential summer camp for kids here in the UK. Um, we came across Wedderley and just the layout of the buildings it had been uh, malnourished, shall we yeah. say, for quite a and while. And a family home. Been run as a family. Yeah. Lived in. Well, we're the first owners since mid-13th century or something to actually open it up to other people. It's always been a private residence. Yeah. But the feel of the place, even though it was a bit tatty bogle, was still, yeah, okay, you can you can see what this could be. 
Um, so we just said, well, well, let's just let's go for it. Let's see if we can't create a residential uh, wedding venue um, with a background in residential summer camps in the US. The, to my simplistic mind, the challenges were fairly simple. Do we have enough power? Do we have enough water? And is there enough room to put the poo? Um, other than that, you know, it's just adding things on and trying to talk down some of the industry hype around weddings, which isn't needed really. They're not that difficult yeah. so, to pull together. So it, basically your background led you to going to the US every year, basically every summer. Yeah, for 16 years. Um, yeah. In May time mm-hmm. to clear out the winter damage, get everything ready for the customers being teenagers, yeah, um, f- often from New York and places mm-hmm. around about, to then look after them for 12 weeks, up to 12 weeks in the summer. Yeah, between them and the staff, yeah. yeah. And up then lock it all up, close it all down, wait for the next season. So you were used to using big equipment, building stuff quickly. So there was a bit of a background there of actually understanding yeah, some construction. The bigger least. the equipment, the faster you move. With it. <laughs> Hire the big tool. Um, but yeah, I, we... I think we concluded missives in April 2019. And although when I tell people this, they go, oh my God, that was bad timing. Actually, it was brilliant timing because we're fairly rural and anybody with a branded trade van couldn't leave their house without being reported or risk of being reported. So we said, right, well, well, we had to take out more borrowing than we wanted to. And the borrowing came on the back of the, the company's performance up until March Yep. 2019, um, which was a bummer because essentially what we were doing is we were taking out the profit from the recruitment season that on paper we had earned, but we're just never able to realize it because those students never got the opportunity to fly out to the US. Yep. Yep. But because technically we'd, st- we'd shown strength, the bank agreed to, to lend us the oil, for want of a better phrase, to get this thing moving. Um, after that, lending dried up, particularly when they said, Mr. Fraser, what do you do? I said, well, currently we're developing a residential wedding venue in the middle of a pandemic when you're not allowed to get together. You're not allowed to leave your house. Uh, oh, you're also not allowed to have a wedding. And what's the other side of the business? Oh, it's uh, sending students out to summer camp in America on Which airlines that down. don't fly, on a visa system that was shut down to camps <laughs> that don't exist and don't know if they can reopen. Can I have some money? The answer was no. But because... Uh, I think it was solely down to this, but because we had breathing space, like we gave ourselves two years to get it open. We, the first year we did all the heavy stuff. So before you had any risk of, um, uh, or worry about people complaining that all oh, the grounds don't look good or the grass is a bit, there's muddy here. We dug up all the old septic tanks, put in new stuff, basically over-engineered the site to be able to, to handle what we're now doing to it. But frankly, it should have been done a long time ago. Um, and that allowed us that did all that from that April onwards fairly quickly, so that we had the following spring summer of 2020 for things to grow in and settle down. So when we actually started showing people around for as a prospective wedding venue and as, as a residential wedding venue, it looked pretty good. Now, like from a stress perspective, we know that under the ground we're we're good. We've got enough power now. We've got enough water. Having had to sink another well last year, that was a fun thing. Um, but it, it touch wood. I think we're we're there now. We we haven't had we've had some fairly big events and we haven't tripped the power. So yeah. So let, let's just talk about that. So what size event events are you running? And 
what essentially are the customers buying? So the customers, I mean, I guess a bit of my pitch to, to couples now is if you're looking for that hotel package style wedding, we're not that. If you are using the fact you're getting married as a positive opportunity to bring the important people in your lives together for a weekend to slow down and to enjoy each other's company, a bit more for the bride too, because whether she likes it or not, she's going to be trapped like Rapunzel in the tower for all of Saturday morning while more product is applied to her than she ever thought possible. But it gives both um, the bride and groom, or the bride and the bride, um, time to put their own spin on things. We're semi-DIY, so we still employ two full-time events instructor instructors, coaches, um, I will instruct you on your wedding, um, <laughs> just to kind of be the hand on the tiller for more than anything else. Because yep. some couples are, are innately quite good at pulling the, the, the logistics together. Some need some support, and that's what it's there for. But it's twofold in the sense that we also have coming into the weekend, the five of us. So me in the background, Chantel and Camille as the, as the coaches, if you will. And then the couple themselves, there's five core people that are coming into each weekend and we kind of know what the objectives are, when we're, where we're setting out chairs, yep. what's going to happen if it rains, and everybody's very relaxed. So the couple can arrive, we're not a hotel, so they can arrive at 10 o'clock in the yep. morning. And when we say on the day of departure, leave when you're legal, so two-ish. It's it's making light of the fact that so many other places yeah, chase sure. them out at 10 a.m. Yeah, because they've got more guests coming in because it's Sunday mm -hmm. night. And then Monday, basically what they're doing is they're paying for exclusive use yes. of the property. And the property at the moment consists of the house itself, mm -hmm. a very historical old house, coach house, the space we're in right now, the hayloft, stable... And some four other, cabins. Four now. cabins, yeah. So, how many people can stay on site? Give or take 54, excluding babies. Yeah, but you're having events up to 100 and. Yeah, your average wedding size seems to be about 110. Yeah. Um, where we can go up to 250, but the, I don't think many couples that book here would be doing that type of wedding. They would be going for a different venue. Yeah, sure. So, from an accommodation point of view, are they going out with to other local? Yeah, and it's been it's been quite a nice thing this year that the I think largely from taxi drivers who are realising that every weekend they're they're suddenly coming to this venue. The 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 typical type of couple we seem to be attracting is one's a Scot and one's not. So, mm -hmm. we, I, I hands up never considered this as a USP when we took on Wedgley. It just felt good. Um, is that the you know if if they maybe met in Edinburgh and they're working down in London, I mean, last weekend classic example one they're both living in Canada right now. Um, but he's from where is he from Glasgow or something? But they want to come to Scotland, so it's physically it's in the middle of the UK, so they come together and it's circa fifty people. That's that sucks up most of your core group, yep. and then we have quite an extensive list of accommodation round and about in the borders, and the borders. And I stress, I'm still a tourist here, but it, from our impression of the borders is it struggles from uh, giving people a reason to stop. Uh, I mean, I'd never stopped in the borders before. We just drive right through. But it's, it's, a, it's a lovely part of the world. But there's a lot of people had opened these Airbnb rooms. They've uh, the, the hotels in, in Lauder are all saying, we noticed when you've opened now, and this is we're really seeing the impact because at least 50% of our, our guests are staying locally. Um and we're having more and more people come out of the yep. woodwork going, hey, we've got a room. So we try and go and see these these places if we get time just to check. Right, okay, fine. This is a nice yep, place. Because you're putting it on the list. Okay, so basically um, you're running one wedding a week? One wedding a week with 
I, I don't want to tempt fate here, but we have agreed within our our refreshed housekeeping team that we will agree to do maximum four midweeks next year. Yep. Largely because we think we can, but also because I don't want to turn into a wedding mill. And it gives us time to refresh the site, yep. to, to do any uh, touch-up and what have and, you. And as you say, that's the differentiator, is that yeah, on, on Sunday when they're away, there's time for the site to be turned around, mm-hmm. refreshed. And for the next couple or group to come in the following weekend, occasionally some midweek ones by the sounds of it you're thinking of. Are they going to be weddings? Um, yeah, they will be weddings. Uh, we've got one couple already for next year who only human beings would do this. But because of the, the synergy between the, when they got engaged and, and how long they've been dating or something, there was a date specifically in July. We're like, okay, <laughs> it happens to be a Wednesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the average couple also, the minimum rental is a two night hire, but they take half of them will take it for three nights and do yep. like a sort of more chilled day on the Sunday, maybe retox a little bit with a couple of bottles of wine on Sunday evening or get a private chef in with a smaller group. And then they head home on the Monday. Yeah. And that's the bit we missed out there. So in terms of what the customers get in, they're getting the exclusive use, two, three days, accommodation, License bar. License bar, two barns that existing at that time of recording this, two barns, but we're about to replace our marquee this winter with um, another double pitch barn. Um, Hysterical Scotland uh, got involved through the planning process and said, oh no, you can't have a single span thing. Um, that'll upset the cows. So we, um, they did say yes to to another double pitch barn, but it will be one continual space inside yeah. with, you can imagine, a few support pillars down the middle. Primarily still used for dining to keep the group moving between spaces so that Uncle Jimmy can't just sit down all weekend and not really be part of the wedding. Um, so I, that's the reason we're doing that is twofold. One, I think we, we have a lot of couples that come to site touring and say, I don't want to get married in a marquee. And we say, well, yeah. you're not getting married in a marquee. You're just, this is just where you dine. But I can only imagine how many couples look at the website and don't inquire because they see a marquee and without really understanding what they get here, they go, oh, it's a marquee wedding. And, it, and it's not a marquee wedding. Yeah. We do, most of our weddings are actually done outside in the rose garden, on the front lawn. There's lots of options here for them. Uh, and then there's rainy day inside space if, if needs be. So, it's it's to take away the marquee element that people don't seem to warm to, but also to future-proof the place. And I don't want, you know, another storm like Babette or Arwen removing the big white tent to Oslo. Um, it takes more maintenance, whereas yeah. this thing is... Um, yeah, we're, we're not... You and I have just come from some tree cutting, right? On our paws right now. But let's not cover Arwen, because, I mean, there was a lot of damage that came through here then, but that's another whole podcast, right? Yeah. But but in terms of the customer, the one thing they're not getting here, which I just wanted to point out, was food. Not getting food, no. So, But we don't dictate to them who they choose. Yeah. The industry standard is, oh, here's our package, here's our list of... And I get why places do it. You get, you know, it's ease of operation, your vendor's coming in. Um, if there's two or three options, they know the site, um, there will probably be some sort of commission kickback built into that as well, which yeah, we're not going to do um, because I think it's a stronger USP to say to couples, no, we have a list, but our list is based on our own opinion as we stand on the sidelines. Yep. And um, when they drop the ball, if they drop the ball, when we have to pick it up and I'm like, well, I know what the couple are paying you to not drop the ball and we're having to step in to help you here so that the bride and groom never feel it. 
Yeah. Was was that anything to do with you and I having a restaurant before and you thinking, I don't want to do this again? Oh, it was definitely <laughs> something to do with it. If I, in fact, if we hadn't done the restaurant, I would probably have blindly gone into pay, finding the money to install a, a proper commercial kitchen and all the rest of it. Absolutely not needed. What a great lesson. No. Oh, wow. I also don't want to deal with too many angry chefs again in my life. But, um, I mean, it's quite simplistic. We provide a space at the back. We yep. provide water and power. The couple will choose the caterer. The caterer will then hire the equipment. Uh, they they need to deliver whatever that menu yep. is. Equipment turns up through the week, gets set up, bosh, done. Yeah. So the only the only operational thing really is the bar element. Uh, yes, for during the weekend, for, for the and we have event. Well, well, we've clay pigeon shooting as well. We've got the hot tub, which I've now actually put a charge on the hot tub because I hate cleaning it. So um, less people use it now, uh, which is brilliant. Um, there's the f- operational stuff like fire braziers and, and things, which doesn't sound like much, but if you had men with beer and piles of wood and fire, we'd have bonfires uh, in no time. So there's a few sort of technical things that we, we do in the background to keep the event running smoothly. Yeah. But essentially what, what you're doing is you're renting the space. You're renting the space, yeah. yeah. Um, and just, I guess, on top of that, the space we're in right now, this is also used for Airbnb. Well, hmm, at ones. time of recording, and I stress at time of recording, it is at the moment. But uh, this short-term letting license nonsense that the um, Scottish government aren't really bringing in or are bringing in, but don't know what they're talking about, and have given councils no steer on. So the councils are, of course, covering their ass and just going, oh, well, just tell everybody to do everything and sp- spend all the money and, and do like do all the things on this checklist irrelevant of whether or not it is 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 specific. So are you saying you're you're you might be pulling out Oh that? we're absolutely fighting it. I think it's an absolute <laughs> farce. Um so but how do you but how do you reconcile with weddings, right? Yeah. When these spaces might get used and be an Airbnb because Bookings well, wise, you don't want to be getting both at the same time. If if uh, if we were pulled like in the extreme, if we were pulled up for this, I'd just take it off Airbnb, um, and we would uh, we would probably increase the the cost for rental on weddings and just not screw around with it because so, they've made it too complicated. What I mean though, Jim, is you and and I'm going to probably answer it with myself, but when you're doing Airbnb is one thing, yeah, and weddings is another. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm assuming weddings is most certainly the more yeah. well, advantageous I think we, type of booking. So how do you make sure that you're not booking out Airbnb before weddings? Or are you basically always doing it so that they're backfilling when there's space? Well, the, one of the good things about the Airbnb platform is that you can you can block out time yep. where people just can't book in. So I, we would probably be doing more of those private lets and what have you if we didn't lock out every weekend. Um, and very few people during summer holidays want to just come for a few day midweek yep. holiday. But again, oddly, you say this, we haven't really had many at all this year. But then today we have two of the buildings are let for the next th- uh, couple of nights, which is great. Um, do I think it's worth doing? Probably not. Um, it's we, It maybe accounts for three or four percent of the yep. income in the year yep. and on top of that you know I'll, I'll give you an example with the the green cabin has just rented out for three nights that we will receive 
£295. They're paying 350 quid plus a uh, cleaning charge or whatever it is. So for them, fine. They're happy. They're delighted. They've got a nice little space. But for us, really, operationally, I still then need to do... There'll be a laundry bill of £35 on that. There'll be a cleaning charge on that. They'll use power. And then we've got the VAT on top of it. It's really... It's a lot of moving parts yeah. for like a hundred bucks. So, the, and that's our smallest piece of accommodation. So it, it's, uh, this maybe not the best example, but the, it's a lot more work. Whereas if we, you give yourself, which is what we're giving ourselves, the breathing space through the week to focus on the weekend as an event. And it's not like the wedding's the event. Friday night is the event and then Saturday is another event so we have like we open the bar for them on Friday night a lot of the couples are doing like a pub quiz now which is fun about the couple we've got pool tables and foosball tables and there's all free play just focusing on getting people to whether they're aware of it or not relax and as fast as they the sooner they relax the more the, the positive vibe is on the place and it makes quite frankly it makes coming to work really quite pleasurable yep. because everybody's not high strung um, we somebody asked me recently, God, what's it like working with all these uh, brides? And I was actually the brides are a riot. And I said it's the grooms that I find to be on edge more than anything else, and it's largely because they feel like they should be doing something, and there isn't that much to do by the time you get here. Um, but they're the type of couples that book widely are, I, I don't know, careful how I phrase this, are have a more relaxed approach to mm-hmm. life and are focused more on the family than how much money they're spending on um, flowers. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's horses for courses, right? Yeah. So um, we're two years in now. Mm-hmm. So how are your bookings? How are your inquiries? Has this been a good adventure? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you asked me last year, I would still have prefixed what I'm about to say with, I still think we're enjoying the ripple effect of the, the pandemic. The honeymoon. <laughs> I yeah. mean, honeymoon of the pandemic, yeah. Um, I don't know what the the time frame is in this industry. I hate using that word industry when people are talking about their weddings. It's like a it's a it's like a mechanical kind of phrase for something that should be light and fluffy and enjoyable. Um but the I think we're still regarded as a new venue compared to anybody that was open pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gauge on, right, well, we're not really known about, even people in the borders haven't a clue about us, um, mostly. And how long does it take for you to bed into a point where you have so, you've had so many successful events, and I, and I stress, you you need to have successful events where couples, guests come to the venue, they then have a good time, they experience the place, whether they're close to the, the, the couple that got married or not, they then go home and then either they get engaged or they know someone that gets engaged and over a chat or, or a glass of wine, they go, oh, we were at a wedding at, why don't you check it out? And I think oh, as you bed in with the venue, and I'm going to guess it's probably about five years before this really starts to take it. I know we've got two weddings sold for next year that are from that ripple Specifically effect. From that, yeah. Okay. Um, the rest of it is is just online advertising. Um and constantly posting pictures with the consent of the couple of snippets of each weekend so that everything looks always very different and couples don't think, oh, well, that's just the package you get there. It's like, oh, okay, there's there's different ways of doing it. Um, we are sold out um, for next year, which is great. Um, we are halfway through 2025 with bookings. There are We've just experienced our best um, 
week yet for inquiries. And let me stress, our best week for inquiries was 13 inquiries in the entire week. Um, not all of them will tour. I will, will, as a team, we'll reach out to them all and have a conversation. Um, maybe, maybe two from that would book. Yeah. Okay, but if we're doing a wedding every weekend, yeah, we kind of need one a week or. Yeah, you. I think um, I would feel more settled, if you will, uh, that the business is breathing without any ripple interference from a pandemic causing hype <laughs> i think that has now passed um if you i think if we we're averaging five or six um inquiries a week which i stress i think is a very small number i think if we were if we had some other uh, business owners around the, yeah, uh, the table here, for that, yeah. um i'd love to hear what they get in a week um like dundas castle for example it's been going a long time i'm i, I would love to know how many inquiries they get um, because from our five or six, we would expect at least one of them to book. In actual fact, it's probably slightly better than that. But we're big on stressing to the couple, look, you must come and tour. You must have a walk around and you must feel good about it. If you don't, no worries. Because um, we've got to work with them and they've got yeah. to work with us. It's yeah. got to, The more relaxed they are from the outset, the better. But yeah, 2026 has got five bookings on the, the cards as well, which I can't get, quite get my head around. But um, yeah. I, it's, which is probably bringing us on to the next question that I think you're probably going to ask. Well, yeah, let's talk about some of the numbers. Oh, so, wasn't that one then? Right. <laughs> <laughs> which one are you expecting? Venue number two. Oh well, no, no, no. That's 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 at the end, Jimmy. That's um, at the end. Yeah, the numbers. So there's bookings all through next year. Mm -hmm. I think you've got one weekend or no weekends. Uh, we have one weekend that's just become available because the couple's no longer a couple. Ah. But uh, I that won't be there for very long. Yeah, we, we had that this summer. One one oh, It was only six weeks before their wedding and um, unfortunately they split up and we didn't have that event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you get many cancellations? <laughs> I never thought we would have one, but we've had of the three years, so two full years and one clunky kind of year, we had one a year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we managed to resell all three of those dates and we've we've stood on the couple and said, Well look, if, if another couple comes in and, and buys this weekend, we will return your, your deposit to yep. you. So and we've done that. Okay. So lovely. um in terms of numbers, you don't and, and I'm relating this a little bit back to my own business and office space, you don't put your prices online. No. And what's the reason for that? I'm still trying to gauge what we are worth. Mm -hmm. um, there, it's not about how much can we make from the business because I think if you start coming at it from that approach your couples are going to smell that and if it, this industry again I use that word industry again is is so notorious for overcharging and hyping things that I mean I say to every couple look no one remembers the wine no one remembers the, the cake and no one remembers the flowers they just remember if they weren't there so, Thank you for this interlude. Yeah, <laughs> we'll cut that bit out. Yeah, that phone call was sponsored by uh, Five Star Laundry. Um, so the what was I saying? Yeah, on on the three elements that a lot a lot of people think, oh, it's really important that we spend all this money on these elements. When in actual fact, what people remember are the people that they're surrounded by. The band certainly comes into play a bit, and then. If the venue feels good for everyone, and I now know that this venue does organically yep. keep people together, which is good. So as we are, we're still adding every year, like we're building this barn build. This is not a cheap 
built. It's a major investment again. Last year, a major investment was the well. We're, we're putting in more paving, which you might think, oh, paving, schmaving. I mean, how, how expensive? Paving is expensive. And that's off the back of feedback from ladies in high heels. Me wearing flat shoes going, oh, well, that's fine. We'll just put some gravel down. Everybody be happy. No, they weren't happy. So until we get to a point where I don't, I'm not finding that we could still improve the venue and the experience by altering, and, and you could say you are altering the site, then I'll then I'll know, right, okay, well, I don't have to spend all this money every year constantly doing these big projects. Okay, well, this is more or less where the price is at. Also looking a bit of a bit competitor analysis and going, right, well, what is out there similar to us? Um, we certainly were up there with the amount of beds that we have, uh, which is handy. Uh, and then I think it comes down to our attitude. Um, but, you, I mean, you could get a couple that you do have to have a conversation about budget. Absolutely. Um, just to set expectations. And that's why I try and make a point of phoning every couple. Just to say, look, hey, I'm not phoning you as the owner. Like, wow, I'm the owner. I'm phoning you as the owner. So, look, just ask me what you want to ask me and I'll give you a straight question. I'll give you a straight answer. So that we're all on the same page. So if they then are comfortable with more or less what they, I think it's going to cost them, and I go through the the cost of what I think catering will be, what I think your band will be, the dress. Well, we don't talk about the dress because I'm not qualified to talk about the dress. Um, but we can certainly shape out a rough cost for yep. them in general, whether they pick widely or not. And then I encourage them to to read the small print wherever they're looking. Um, but go into any venue you're touring with as much information as you can so that if it does feel right, there's no nasty shocks around the corner when you discover you have to pay more for power or for chairs to be moved or, or, or toilets. I mean, come on. <laughs> you would have yeah, pay extra for toilets. Yeah, I encourage people, <laughs> yeah, call, call their bluff. Don't hire extra toilets and see how much they panic when you all arrive. <laughs> so basically what, what you're trying to work out is the value. Yeah. So at, at the moment, bookings would tell you that, I mean, in my business, it would tell me I'm I'm probably undercharging. So there's still room for working out where that value mm-hmm. point is, right? But also you're adding in, as you say, you're, you're adding in more um, interesting features and things that are going to help, I guess, with bookings. But where do you, where when do you stop? When do you think I've found this out? What do you think you ever do? Um, yeah, well, I think we're, we might just be beginning to feel it now. I mm-hmm. mean, we're, we're twice, we're charged now twice what we charge for our initial bookings yep. and it, it compared to many other options out there, we're very reasonable for what we offer. Um, particularly as we encourage the guests to charge their, the couple to charge their guests for staying on site. So in some cases we've, we've seen it this, this season that the couple has recouped 50% of the site rental from their friends. Good for them. Don't know if their friends are still talking to them, but hey, they did it. Um, but it's normally, I would say, about two-fifths of the rental costs they can recoup. Yeah. Now, you could look at some venues in Glasgow and Edinburgh that would charge you what we charge for the weekend just for one day. And there's all, there's not there might be one room with it. Um, and then you've got all the decorating costs and all the rest of it. So as I say, you're, you, there's a particular type of couple that will we'll choose somewhere like Wedderley. But there are a number of venues in Scotland in shouting distance of here, south of Edinburgh, that are not a million miles. That we're, like, we're all not too dissimilar. They're just 
they, they just look different. So you, a couple, I think, is going to respond. And like, for example, we had a couple booked last week, and the thing that connected with them was they wanted to. They're both. Um, I think they both work in labs. They wanted to be outside. They wanted to be surrounded in just in nature. And she took herself off for a walk and sat down on the moss. And she said, "This is it. This is this is what I, this is what we're after." I'm like, "Crikey, we're spending all this money on paving and on a new <laughs> building, and actually, it's the moss that'll get you over the line." So, but we have put our prices up. Um, I'm not going to go into like the effects of inflation or the effects of uh, the Ukraine war and all that stuff. It, it, it's worth what it's worth. And we, we, the business is making a profit, which is great. Um, we will start this season, I would hope, making inroads into that, that, that lending we took on that we didn't want to take on. Um, so it, to my mind, that's good. Could we charge more? Yes, I think we could. Uh, we'd probably have to spend a bit more on advertising to get a higher volume of, of yep. tours in. Um, but I, as long as we're kind of one every 15 days throughout the year, um, average, I'm okay with that. And we are there. We're just, we're maybe going through, I don't know, 20% more inquiries that aren't converting. I mean, when we first started, Jerry, we were landing just about every tour. And and we were building site. I now know why. Yes, it looked nice, but we were giving the thing away. Yeah, price. And, I, and I'll be and I didn't factor in fat because the thing wasn't. I don't know why I didn't. But I was like, oh, maybe be eight grand or something. That's quite a lot of money because we've just been spending money all the time. The idea of getting eight thousand pounds for a venue yeah. the weekend I was like, woohoo, we're rolling in it. Oh, it's not actually eight grand. And then I've got cleaning, which I don't know about, and I've got that power, which I still don't know how to handle on oil, uh, oil, crazy, um, and. Uh, so we have a better understanding of what this thing costs. So, so that leads me to a question I want to ask about, because you've been talking there about effectively having a niche within this market, mm -hmm. right? Not just, oh, I'm in the wedding market, but actually you've got a specific type of couple, a specific offer here. When you bought Wedderly or when you were looking at Wedderly, had you studied all the competition? Had you worked out there was a niche there or was it slightly more vague than that? Oh, totally vague. I was like, this, this, this is going to be fun. Let's go for it. <laughs> Pretty much. And as we got it, we then evolved our ideas yeah. while we're doing the thing up. I was just, at the beginning, I was just going, because we inherited this big sand riding arena thing that we're, we're, we're never having horses. Um, so that we'll just, every couple will hire a marquee and we will do up the accommodation we have. And it's just grown arms and legs from there to be more of what people are looking for. But going into it, we don't really know what people were looking for. But the the a big component in making a decision on this was that my wife and I, when we were looking for a venue, most of my mates were coming from the US. So we were not dissimilar to the couples that we get here. Um, and we wanted a place where we could do a couple of nights and slow down. So I, somewhere in a drawer in the back of my brain, I had parked all these uh, tours that my wife dragged me around at different venues and um, was confronted with... Um, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I finish that sentence. Uh, we, packages. We, we ended up a long way away from home. Uh, yes. How far was that to get there? Two uh, hours, two and a half? Yeah. For you, it was longer for some. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but between sort of just going pragmatically, look at this site. This is going to be a residential thing. Yeah, this doesn't scare me. Um, and combining it with like, well, what was our experience of going around venues? Yeah. 
And what were we looking for? Okay, well, let's just, let's, let's include as standard all the things that frustrated us that weren't included as standard because that's not that expensive. I mean, you're talking about some places will charge you 200 quid for outside furniture, although there'll be another fee for moving chairs. I mean, come on. Moving chairs. Just move them. That's what groomsmen are for. <laughs> <laughs> but part of, part of doing this was getting it at the right price. Oh, gosh, yeah. That helped. Because if we'd... If, what helped that is that previous owners had trashed it. There'd been very little love on here for quite a long time. Yep. And even the previous, previous owners it had been in their family a long time. And they, um, it had, as you said earlier, it was, has always been a family home. So you kind of get too close to the woods to see the trees a bit, I think. So you come in with a totally set, fresh set of eyes um, and go, right, well, this looks a bit tacky. And a commercial set of eyes, to be fair. Oh, yes. Well, the business they run was, was farming. They weren't looking at this as yep. a, actually we're sitting on something that could could bring in a, a reasonable income for us here. But the other key thing we haven't mentioned is that Connie and I do not live on site with our kids. Yep. It's, you know, we're, and that's, I think that's another thing that we, for want of a better phrase, win on other venues that are still owned by the family. I mean, I was speaking to a gentleman recently, um, and I, who has quite a substantial property um, in the family that they live in. And I had said, I'm like, can I swear on this thing? Is this not allowed? Um, well, it can be beeped out. Oh, it's a beep out. Well, there's a beep coming. And I said to him, he, he, I got like a broadside of questions from him um, when he discovered what we were doing and um, in the time frame of which we've got it established. He inherited what he currently lives in. And uh, I said, do you guys not do it? No, I don't want people f***ing in my beds. <laughs> and and that's the problem. Yeah. In, in, like, that straight yeah. is that they didn't want people in their private house, but they kind of need to bring people in to, to sweat the asset. We're not living in the times where these great stately homes can be maintained because you've got six cotton mills down the street, you know? Um, so... There's a reluctancy, for, I think, and that vibe comes across from some of the, the owners or yeah. the families. And if you're a couple going, yikes, I know I've got friends that you're might sharing. have a few beers here. Yeah. And what happens We're if sharing. they knock that over? Yeah. How much is that? So we, and that tied into how we decorated the place as well. It's not, um, don't get me wrong, people still pay a damage deposit before the event. But um, touch wood, weddings are fairly respectful groups because one side doesn't want to offend the other. Um but it's not a big dark building full of tartan. You know, we've tried to make it light and bright. Hi. <laughs> um, and people seem to be responding well to that. Yeah. Okay, great. So numbers-wise, um, you're pulling in... Not pulling in. You are... You've managed to push your price to double what you started with. And the number you started with was the kind of figure that you'd possibly stuck your finger in the air and thinking that might work. But then discovered we had no experience of selling it. We got it way wrong. We should have been higher and would have still sold. Yeah, but we got it was. But it did give us the confidence of going cranky. What I also didn't know was that I was we land we launched at the end of a pandemic. There was a lot of people looking for venues. We should have put the price up at that point and capitalized on that because we'd be in a stronger position financially now yeah. if we had it done. As it turned out, we sold nearly a season and a half. At that earlier price. Way under what it was actually worth. Way under what it was actually worth. Um, so 
yeah, we, but again, you learn by doing. Uh, there's pros and cons. So based on our last chat, we did discuss quite a lot about doing the place up and what an old, old property can bring as mm -hmm. challenges, right? But two years in, is there anything you would have changed about what you did, the amount of money you spent, the quality you did? I overreacted to the heating system in the main house. Mm -hmm. I put in a secondary boiler so that it, there's two boilers in there. But it wasn't done well. Like, it should be a fallback system. It's not. one. But it's a big rectangle, essentially. So one boiler now does the hot water for one side of the property, which is a brand new, super sexy system. And on the other side, the boiler does the heating for the whole house and the, and the hot water on that side. One of those boilers could do the whole house. So yep. really thinking about it, what we should have done is just plumb them both in or... I would get someone that knew more than the plumber team that we got in. But at that time, I thought we had the best one. It turns out we didn't have the best one because they would have, a better person would have gone, no, you don't need the second one, Jamie. We'll just upgrade this. And we're going to tear the house apart anyway, so we'll just upgrade the, the, everything yeah, you need. Nice. And that, would, that would definitely be one. Um, I don't know. Because the thing is, every time... and. Uh, appreciate you probably hear this a lot on these kind of things but every time you make a mistake we've broken just about everything on the site because there's no guidebook that comes with these places um and uh of like where's where's all your old i mean this is seriously old site this so you find old water drains and old barrel lines by breaking them and oh well there's the electricity oops um <laughs> so I know I wouldn't. The, the heating in the main house is the thing that annoys me. I think that was easily 20 grand that we could ill afford at that point, yeah. wasted through bad advice, but I didn't have the experience enough to ask. And was there anything that you've done subsequently you think, do you know what, I should have done that back at the start? Or paving. Paving. <laughs> Coming back to paving Way again. less complaints about high heels on gravel. <laughs> um, that paving out there, red sandstone paving, mm -hmm. how much did that cost? And what's oh. the square metres of it? Oh, cherry. Well, I can't. Well, right. It's a, a reasonable pa patch well, of paving. No, because I'm going to show my hand here and go, I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, it was very expensive. What, what fascinated me is that all this, this sandstone comes from India because apparently we can't generate sandstone slab in the UK. Um, it's very slow to put in. So if you, I mean, oh. Gosh, it's quite a large area, which is why we did it over two years and we're doing more this year. Um, but a, a labour at £25 an hour, which is what our guy is, who does the paving, plus materials, which is quite a lot of sand and cement by the time he actually gets yep. this stuff down, plus the slab, which is not cheap, and the wastage, my God. Um, yeah, it's horrific. <laughs> That's the number. It's horrific. <laughs> And and half the people don't appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it's not everywhere. Yes, I know it's not everywhere. Yeah, once you put it in, that's it. It's got to be everywhere now. It, there's a slow creep of paving. Yes. <laughs> All right, okay. So that's some of the things that, well, not some. The heating's really the only one you would have maybe gone and redone. Um, it's funny, actually. The heating also on the property, the building that we're in right now had a ground source heat system fitted to it. And again, the company that we had doing it a bad steer and if you ask me again do you want to put a ground source heat system in and i go no i don't oh surely it'll be an air source no because it's minus temperatures here regularly but 
you know, the point that it was sold to us, okay, and I suppose they could argue variables while we were selling it to you before all this nonsense kicked off. But it was something like, it was going to cost you 21 pence a kilowatt hour to run it. Yep. You, you would be paid 28 pence a kilowatt hour. And uh, this is before we realized what it would even generate kind of thing. So over the course of its lifespan, you should get most of your initial investment paid back. So it's like a neutral cost. Well, because we had to pay for everything up front, there was no grant funding available for it. It was a big hit, um, which we took out a bit more lending on, actually. And uh, I now have to keep it on perpetually to get any level of pay out from it but i think now if we're honest with each other it's gone past the point of running efficiently we should just turn it off um i i wouldn't put it in this building again no and and the experience was was a fairly negative one too i mean if anybody's thinking of doing it i it never occurred to me that the company installing it selling it to us wouldn't have tested the ground to see if the ground is suitable for receiving the big long lengths of pipe which they didn't do here. And not only did they then trash the place doing it, um, it was extra costs. It was it looked really bad for quite a long time. And even then, they weren't sure it was going to work because instead of going into soil, it was going into bedrock in places. Not that warm. How do you find the situation with the oil, though, for the main house? Very good. Because we have been also upgrading the windows. Yes, we, in case anybody is listening here from the authorities, we have been using Heritage Style. Um, uh, even though I would say in the 16th century, if there was UVPC double glazing available uh, or sash and clay single pane, they wouldn't have gone, oh, we'll have that UVPC thing. That'd be great. Um, so we've been slowly making the house a lot more uh, thermally efficient. Yep. Um, yeah, it's not bad. And we do weddings through spring, summer, autumn. It's not that chilly. Yeah, fair enough. It's interesting to hear what you're saying there about the ground, though. And would you consider air or you just think no? I think it's from, I don't know enough about yeah. it, but from what I hear about it it's, it, it's even more expensive when it's cold outside. It's the debate, isn't it? It's that constant debate. I think a windmill here would probably be the, the or a solar array would be mm-hmm. something. I think a solar array would probably be a better shout. We do have circa 50 acres here. We do have some open parkland that we could put a solar array in. I'm just a little reticent about the damage it would cause because anything I do in the winter to the grounds is is seen for the spring couples, yeah. and I don't want it to look like a building site. It's interesting in, in our in our world, more customers are asking. No, don't get me wrong; this isn't like a high percentage, but more customers are asking about energy, where it's coming from, where your power source is, what your carbon footprint is, because actually it feeds into their carbon footprint, which then gets assessed sometimes by their customers, which can mm-hmm. be big corporates, which is where it's coming from. I'm assuming you have not had one single couple come in here yet and say, how is your energy efficiency? Not a single your one. energy source? I, not only that, they're so far away from, from thinking about that in this scenario is that we find the waste from our events quite revol- revolting. Yes. Um, the attitude human beings, and I, yes, broad stroke, human beings have to when you your head goes to festival mode it seems or party mode everything is a throwaway culture i mean i'm i'm not exaggerating uh, I, I mean every weekend i will be first on site on sorry every week i'll be first on site on a monday first thing i do is go to the bins and separate recycling and got I mean, this morning again we had a contaminated general recycling because some it, it happens every weekend somebody just threw the nappies in there it quite clearly says recycling but human beings aren't, aren't that great 
really they're not a great species uh so we're now we've now adjusted our waste management to assume that everyone is not very nice when it comes to waste management so our glass goes in a skip because borders council doesn't really have a glass recycling they just say i'll oh, just throw it in general waste i'm not throwing it in general waste but even then it goes in a skip and gets taken away and turned into aggregate it doesn't get recycled um are i was seriously considering getting pigs too because the food waste is bonkers from these things and i'd like to use it. we have uh spent quite a lot of time planting trees so we're taking our what has been commercial uh farmland for a long time and we're slowly turning it into a giant arboretum mainly because i want people when i'm long dead people to walk through this ground and go who on earth plant to that tree there i'll giggle uh, from a cloud <laughs> do you think about that when we're cutting down some of these actually we're, we're not really cutting down any trees are we we're basically going into windblown trees yeah we're doing woodland management four or five tons each well what i was thinking there is that, oh this has opened <laughs> up a nice space what random thing can we plant in it in, in the canopy but um it's uh there's a lot there's a lot to be fair nobody asks about energy nobody asks no. about it no, I can imagine. I it's could use it as an excuse and people would accept it. Oh, we've had to put our prices up because of energy costs. Oh, not necessarily because of the cost, just because of the, um, I guess it's corporate. It's corporate that's pushing it, but it's that whole thing about energy source rather than energy cost. So is it renewable? Is it, um, you know, are you actually putting a lot of carbon in the atmosphere or are you actually paying attention to it? But I think B to see business to consumer is still not it's not being pushed none of our customers have asked about it i don't think it's in, it would influence yeah, we, we're, any we're of getting we're getting in office space more now it has to be said right okay so you just to circle back last point question you were thinking about um this one's two years in mm -hmm. it's clearly working yeah um the return we haven't spoken about the full numbers but we'll maybe I like to be a bit cloak and dagger, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you like sharing all the information. But I'm going to keep a few bits to myself. But suffice to say, it's going well. And, you know, we've had conversations where, well, where's the next one? Yeah. Where, where are we at with that? Um, I, again, I forgive me if I offend anyone from what I'm about to say, no offence intended, but the reality is I'm happily married with three small children. And we still run the other side of our business, which is the recruitment stuff for camp. I have two days in the office on that side of things. I have, at the moment, three days down um, at Werderley. And then most Saturdays, I'm still helping out at the wedding. So the, the, the staff as a whole, they know what the objective is. Jamie wants to be made unemployed. But we're, we're, we're a few steps away from that, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I have reticence to hand it over. I just have reticence that... It, for certain tasks at the moment i'm i'm the strongest pair of hands in the group so until we find uh, an equally or even 80 percent there i'd be happy with that um i can't really relinquish yeah, so that so the next thing is not a venue it's a person i'd love it to be a venue there's two venues already there's two locations that I've, we've already found i should say i've found i haven't told my wife um don't worry she won't hear this no she won't but she might she spies everywhere um <laughs> Hi, that, I, I, I just yeah we, I look at it and go that makes total sense that you could make that make money and that would be a fun project and okay the pandemic actually allowed us to do it a little quicker because all the trades were available like today um but we now have a we have a good setup of trades so if we got they keep asking us like okay well what when's the next project yep. I'd love to do it I just don't think I'll get a chance and by the time the children are up and away 
Um, do I want to spend the time physically doing another venue or do I want to spend it with the kids while they still want to talk to me? I think probably the latter. Yeah. It is, it is challenging because, you, you know, in residential space, when you're buying houses and buy to let, you know, often they're looked upon as you buy the asset, you do it up, and then you hand it over to an agent and that's it. You know, it's passive. And anybody who's been in that industry for a while will know it's not actually exactly how it works. But when you start looking at commercial properties, it's really hard. You've got to get scale to be able to have a team to be able to get out. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you end up pricing your time and somebody else's time and think, do you know what? That I'm going to continue doing that task just now. Mm -hmm. And it just seems that scale is the only way out of that. Unless, of course, it's a lifestyle and you enjoy it. I do enjoy it. And I make some of this a lifestyle. Yeah. You know that. I mean, it's... Yeah, absolutely. But it's... I mean, you're talking about another five years. If you, if you, if we went to one of the venues this afternoon, if we had that conversation, which could be had this afternoon, just this random day we pick and we go there, we could, we could come to a deal with one of these particular sites. We move forward there five years from now. Okay, so that's that's if my wife is still around and talking to me. Um, my kids are all starting high school, and I won't really have seen much of them at all. And that's if we still manage to, to keep the other two going. Yeah. Um, financially, yeah, we could probably do it. The bank's actually saying, come on, what are we doing next? Which is a lovely pat on the back because they, they want to make more money off us. But I, w I, need, I, need my, I, I would need to know that with, without a blink, my w wife is behind me. And I'm not criticizing my wife, but she married someone to have a family with them and to have a husband. Yes. Not to, about, as she's yeah. already called me a couple of times, oh, I'm the weatherly widow. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can see in the not too distant future, this is what's frustrating for myself, is that I can see I don't need to be here on the Saturdays. If I wasn't doing clay pigeon shooting with the guys, um, which is my choice to do, <laughs> just, just me scratching an itch, really. Um, I don't need to be here on the Saturday. I could be here on the Friday to help set up, but really, I'm not needed. I, but the our, our, our really capable employees here have have made me redundant sure. in that form. So, okay, well, there's Saturday one back. There's Friday one back. There's still two days here. All right, well, let's talk about somewhere else. Because yeah. if you got, if I was project managing the second place, which I would do. I would be less hands-on than I have been with Wedderly yeah. because I couldn't be as hands-on. But it, we're at the stage now where it would actually cost me more money if I was hands-on. Yeah, but it's forced you, hasn't it? It's, it will force you into having to, to take that step back a little bit. Yeah. As, as, I mean, one dull. of the things I admire about you is your ability to um, take on a task and see it through right to the end without any bother. So you seem to get through a lot more than most when it comes, particularly when it comes around to driving ahead with projects. The thing about taking on another one is you have to do it for two years, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that is because you roll your sleeves up and, and get on yes, with it as so well. Right? I would need to not roll my sleeves yeah. up. Somewhere. So that's slightly different, isn't it? The first one is operating after it's done, which you can build a team for, mm -hmm. right? So reflection back to my business, you've got a team there, but it's when you take on that next project is when you struggle with the project management. That's the bit that's really hard because you want to make sure that that deal, that building goes really well, but it takes two years of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long has this one taken realistically? 
what are we? We're talking in November 2023. We bought it in April 2019. Um, Three years, really, isn't it? It's not long. If if you hope to have a normal lifespan, yes, that's what I'm like. Oh crikey, we built this one up faster than we built the recruitment agency up. Recruitment agency took nearly a decade to get healthy, and then it was destroyed. But hey, um, I'd like to because the, 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 particularly one of these properties, I'm like, yeah, buddy. This would be fun. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people close to me have seen this property, and they're like, "This is a bit of a jobby." I'm like, "Yeah, but but once you clean it up, once you emptied everything out, be like, this is a nice shot." And you'd have to empty so much out, you could just build back, knowing where everything was, and you you'd have you'd have peace of mind that like, yeah, plumbing's good, heating's good. We only need one boiler. Uh, no ground source, roll on the oil, <laughs> throw in a windmill to keep everybody happy. <laughs> and um, yeah, it'd be great. And it's, and it would be bringing in, well, I'm going off on a rant now anyway, but um, short of another challenge on the horizon, I, I know myself, I'm going to end up looking for something to scratch the itch. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned about clay pigeon shooting. I think that's a good time for us to call it time because oh, we need to Let's go, go shoot a clay, yeah? Go, go we shooting. worked very hard this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the bit of work. We've done it now. Splendid. So thanks very much, Jamie. My pleasure. Um, appreciate you sharing a bit more about this project. It is a fantastic project. I'm sure you're very proud of it. It's such a great building and site to come down to every time I've come down. Thank you so much for sharing more about it. Love and hugs. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye.